Welcome to the Real Marathon Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the best in film each and every week. I'm Rob Carraher. And I'm Danny Carraher. And this week we are one one week late talking about the film Spencer. Um, But before we get to that review, we're going to talk about some of the stuff that came out uh, not only this past week, but some stuff that's going to be coming out this upcoming week. Um, So the... The big movie that came out last week is Belfast. We're going to wait and talk about that because I think that we we want to do that for one of our shows. Um, so hopefully maybe next week we can do a show on Belfast. Did you see um, Belfast? Uh, I have seen Belfast, so I am going to keep my mouth shut for the time being. Okay. Uh, um, uh, but that was the big film that came out this past week as it is uh, the the uh, front runner as of right now to win best picture. Um, another movie that came out last week was passing, uh, which we both saw at the Sundance film festival. And it finally made its debut on Netflix. Um, did you want to talk a little bit about passing Danny? Yeah, sure. I, when we initially saw it, I remember thinking that it was one of the better movies that came out of uh, Sundance. And I think I initially gave it an eight out of 10. And then I moved it down for a while as the year was going on. And then I rewatched some scenes um, just about a week ago and I would give it a, an eight out of 10 again. And that moved it back up my list. Obviously I'm still figuring things out and that's going to adjust throughout the rest of the year. So I'm not going to say anything about where it sits, but um, I just am struck by how good the performances are. I think that, uh Rebecca Hall right is that the yeah. director yeah, yeah she did a really good job of enhancing her performers with just like not obtrusive uh camera work I think that it's very simple simple in the way that we can just like focus on the performances and I do really like the decision that she made with lighting and the color of the movie with it being in black and white I think that that says a lot about what this movie has going for it and also just about the ambitions of uh, somebody who is trying to pass as uh, white and kind of what what are the you know benefits what are the downsides of that and it's such a complicated complex topic that is so interesting to explore and especially because this is something that we've talked about before how this movie also um, sort of starts to lean towards uh you know looking at sexuality as well and uh and it's not super definitive in the way that it's definitely talking about race but definitely it seems like it's also hinting at some something going on with sexuality and uh that makes it so interesting and i like movies that just make you think and um contemplate some different things and that's why i feel like it's maybe a little bit deserving of looking at again and so i'll probably rewatch the full thing before the end of the year just so i can kind of compare it a little bit better because it was in march when we watched it or february maybe yeah it was yeah. february so um, it's been a lot been a little bit yeah i also really liked it i gave it an eight as well and uh it i know we haven't seen a good portion of the really award-worthy movies up to this point um, we're starting to get into that a little bit, but uh, Ruth Nega's performance is still one of the best performances of the year. Um, I think she does have a legitimately good shot, at least, of being nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Um, even though this performance, frankly, is kind of a dual lead performance. Um, and if I were to uh, be a voter and it were in the leading category, I would still vote for that performance as a nominee in that leading category as well, because it is just that good. And um, the, the unfortunate part for Tessa Thompson and some of the other people in this film is that Ruth Neg is just so, so good that it makes those other performances look not as good, but they are all very, very exceptional. They're, they're all good. And I think Tessa Thompson in a 
let's say this movie came out last year i think she would have had a good shot at getting nominated for best supporting actress i mean for best actress um but it's such a a a full field this year that i don't think there's any shot she gets in um but i do think i do think ruth nega has a decent shot of still getting nominated well and i i think she deserves it 100 percent. but i was curious is jodie comer going to be um gunning for a best supporting or a best actor I, I believe that it is being uh it is being campaigned as a best actress performance okay well and that for me i mean like we still haven't seen a lot of stuff yet but like if that's the case i think ruth nega is the best supporting actress performance i've seen this year that's what i mean that's how good i think it is yeah i th- i would tend to agree with you um that i think it is the best supporting actress performance i have seen up to this point as well um although um i just don't i don't think she oh she could win but i don't think she's going to win it just kind of depends i think a lot on um on the way that this film is being promoted uh on the campaign trail for uh award season um but with netflix kind of having their hands full i'm a little worried that this is not going to get priority uh when you have movies like i my gut tells me they're going to be pushing for kirsten dunst in uh in power of the dog uh a little bit more than ruth nega and but my my gut also tells me that ruth nega's performance is probably still going to be a better performance when it's all said and done yep yep i i tend to agree with you so that's passing if you haven't seen it yet you can catch that on netflix and i think both of us would highly recommend um, watching it it's even if you're not uh into more artistic film i think it's interesting enough for the average film watcher to to catch catch it and uh i think i think there's enough intrigue there and um yeah it's a, it's a pretty good movie mm-hmm. uh two other documentaries came out last week that uh are at least they i'm somewhat interested in seeing and if they pick up a little bit more steam in terms of award season i'm going to make sure to to catch both of them one of them is called julia which is about julia childs uh and i've heard that it is pretty fantastic um but it is the sort of documentary that uh you're going to get hungry while watching because there's so much stuff and food uh, involved with it. Um, But I've heard that it's absolutely excellent. It's not typically the sort of documentary that gets a lot of Oscar love, but uh, I think throughout the circuit, um, it may get uh, a little bit of love from some of these other industries that, that award for documentary. The other documentary that's coming out or that came out last week is Mayor Pete, which is about Pete Buttigieg. And that one did come out on Amazon. Um, and so I plan on trying to catch that at some point in time. I don't know when I'm going to get around to it, but uh, I am very interested in seeing that documentary as well. Have you heard anything about either of these or are you interested in seeing either of these, Danny? I'm interested to see the Julia documentary. We saw a trailer for it, I think before French Dispatch. And uh, it just looks... I don't know. I, I, I think sometimes documentaries about people similar to movies about people can like maybe not be as interesting, but it seemed intriguing to me and I was excited for it, especially just the trailer got to me. I have almost no desire to see the Mayor Pete documentary and I think I'll skip it unless you tell me it's a must see and I don't think you'll tell me that. So. <laughs> All right, fair. Um, This upcoming week, we actually have quite a few movies, and now I'm starting to get to the point where um, I'm probably going to get a little overwhelmed by how much is coming out and not being able to keep up with what what we want to be able to see. I'm really glad that I did see Belfast this past weekend because um, that opens things up a little bit for me to maybe catch uh, one or two of these movies over the next... um, next week the good news is a couple of them are uh, available or will be available on streaming services and as much as i like to go see things in the theaters i'm probably going to catch those two movies 
um, before the others simply because uh, I, I have access to them whenever I want to be able to watch them um, and right at home. So uh, we'll get to that here in a second. But the big movie that is going to probably make a lot of money this week uh, or should make a lot of money is Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, I, I presume that this will be a, a crowd favorite. Uh, I am not an overly huge Ghostbusters fan, so there's not that nostalgia for me to want to go see this. But based upon the trailer, it looks like it will be at least pretty fun. And it, it uh, is kind of an homage to the uh, love of the old Ghostbusters. Uh, do you have any interest in seeing the Ghostbusters Afterlife movie, Danny? I think I'm going to skip it. I just think there's too many other things I'd rather see. And there's some older, st- I mean, with, I haven't seen Belfast yet. I haven't seen last night in Soho. If that's still in theaters, I want to see that. So. Yeah, I I'm right there with you. I don't think I will catch it at least for the time being, this might be the sort of movie that sometime in February uh, when it has made it to one of the streaming services and uh, it's a Saturday night and I don't want to do anything because it's cold as hell outside. Uh, may end up watching <laughs> Ghostbusters Afterlife at that time, but yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, so the two movies that are coming out on streaming services this week uh, are King Richard, uh, which will drop on HBO Max and theaters. Um, this is a going to be a pretty big awards player i think and uh i am going to definitely try to catch this stars will smith as um venus and serena williams father uh and from everything that i have heard it could be a best picture player it could be a best actor player um i am very much looking forward to seeing this and the other uh big movie that is going to be coming out on a streaming service is Tick, Tick, Boom, which is the musical about Jonathan Larson, the creator of Rent, uh, the stars Andrew Garfield, and is directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda. And it has received really positive views uh, from its AFI uh, film festival debut this past week. And so this was a movie that was on my radar, something that I was interested in, um, but I wasn't super excited about. I am much more excited about it now after hearing some of the buzz about it and being a musical theater fan. um, I think that I may have a greater appreciation for it than maybe your average movie watcher. But uh, yeah, these two um, big time movies, I'm, I'm excited to catch both of them, hopefully this weekend. I tell you that I have uh, a hope for each of these movies. My hope for, King Richard is I, I want it to surprise me in some way. I don't want it to be formulaic. I don't want it to be just like another biopic. I, I want to feel, and the good thing is I feel like he's as a figure, their father isn't like well-known like they are, you know? And so I just really am looking forward to that. That's what I want to see from that movie. And then Tick, Tick, Boom, I would agree with you. I was not, didn't have really any expectation for it. And then I saw somebody, a reviewer I follow on Twitter, and I can't think of their name right now, but they said uh, that the direction from Lin-Manuel Miranda is really good in this movie. So that's exciting. But the thing, my hope for it is I just don't want it to be cringy. I'm worried that it could be cringy just because I feel like musical theater style movies can be cringy. But this this never was a stage musical though, right? Um I think it actually was. Okay. I think it is adapted from a stage musical. Um, I'm not really aware of the source material at all. So uh, I will be going into it as if it's not that. Um, But uh, from what I have heard, Andrew Garfield is very, very good. A lot of people are saying that this is his best performance to date um, and that he is probably getting close to being a lock for best actor um which is that's that's a pretty big claim considering that 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 field is uh getting pretty full so to to put him in also a pretty big claim to say that it's his best performance to date because he's had some really good performances and there's stuff i've been higher on andrew garfield at times and lower on him at times i I think, though, that he's definitely a really good actor. And so 
I, what I, I guess another additional hope I have for Tick Tick Boom is that he does something maybe a little different than he's done before. And he, he's shown that he's willing to try new things. And the fact that he's doing a musical is a new thing. And that's yeah. exciting. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to watch it. Um, I hopefully get to catch it this weekend. Um, there are two smaller titles that are coming out, but uh, one we've never really talked about before, but because it won the top prize at the Berlin Film Festival, um, it's on my radar a little bit, and that is called Bad Luck Banging or Looney Porn, um, which is just an absolutely wild title. And uh, I don't really know that much about it, but simply on the basis that it won the top prize at the Berlin Film Festival and the it, the actual title of the film, I am very intrigued to see it. I don't know if it's going to make it to uh, the Omaha Metro this weekend, but uh, it is getting a, a theater release um, in some locations this weekend and probably will be here before not too much longer. So I, I do plan on eventually catching that one. Right now, it has a 6.8 on IMDb, a 69 on Metacritic, and a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, I mean, I guess that says something uh, about it. Um, So, at some point in time, I hope to catch uh, Bad Luck Banging or Looney Porn. Um, The other film that is getting a, a release this week, and I don't, once again, I'm not sure whether or not it is going to be here um in in the omaha metro area is come on come on and i know we've talked about this um this is the walking phoenix uh star he stars in this film um directed by mike mills and it just it, it looks like a it's going to be a great performance film for walking phoenix and uh in a way i'm kind of hoping that it's not here this weekend because then i'm not tempted uh but it should be here hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, this is a probably top five um, most anticipated film left uh, this year for me. And I'm really excited to see it. Yep. Um, I think that anytime Joaquin Phoenix is in a movie, I'm ready to see it. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, the, he could also be a player for best actor um, in this field that we are saying is is actually getting relatively crowded. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've now three movies this week uh, are getting major releases that all could have a best actor nominee um, between King Richard, Come On, Come On, and Tick, Tick, Boom. Um, so yeah, uh, going to be pretty interesting. Um, I think that kind of wraps up the conversation about what has come out in the last week and what's going to be coming out. Um, like I said, we're, we're getting to a point where I am starting to have a little bit of anxiety about catching everything I want to be able to see. I wish I could push pause and uh, just be able to catch up with everything, but uh, we're going to have to be strategic about what I am watching. Um, So I think next week we'll probably do a review on Belfast um, and then we'll see what other stuff we've been able to catch up with. And we might try to squeeze in an extra episode in there with uh, some of the other, the other movies that we, we did get a chance to see. Um, over our Thanksgiving break time. Uh, that way we can hopefully then just focus on some of the other stuff, the other films that are coming out a little bit later um, as we, we get to that point. Uh, but we're going to take a quick little break here. And then when we come back, we are going to be talking about the film Spencer um, by Pablo Lorraine. And uh, I'm really excited to talk about it. So stay right there. And we are back and we are talking about uh, Pablo Lorraine's Spencer, uh, which is, uh, well, I'm going to read the premise from IMDb. Uh, During her 
Christmas holidays with the royal family at the, I think it's Sandringham estate in Norfolk, Norfolk uh, England, Diana Spencer, struggling with mental health problems, decides to end her decade-long marriage to Prince Charles. So um, this is honestly a film that doesn't have a, an extremely strong narrative. We're kind of just watching things take place uh, over the course of these three days um, on a Christmas holiday. And uh, yeah, <laughs> that essentially is exactly what the premise is. Um, and ha now having seen this and uh, I, I, I am a little bit disappointed that I didn't get a chance to watch Jackie um, because I would have liked to have had that conversation today uh, kind of comparing the two. And so at some point in time, we may have to come back and revisit this um, and, and kind of talk about these two films side by side. Um, but that, that will not happen today. So I am going to turn it over to you and let you kind of talk about what you thought about this film first and, uh, and kind of give us some of the, the things that you thought were either good or bad about the film. Um, I'll start to say that I think the film did uh, meet my expectations in terms of the cinematography. And I think that was just clear from the trailer. I think uh, they established such a clear um, aesthetic visually with this movie that I appreciated. And uh, I think that where I was disappointed ultimately was I think there was not enough, I guess, plot. And I don't even know if plot is the issue. It just seemed like there wasn't enough tension built into the story to keep things interesting long enough. And um, I, I, I would say for the first about 25 to 30 minutes, it felt like there wasn't enough to hook you. And then some stuff happens that starts to hook you a little bit more. Um, I'm also, there's a sequence of the film that is super uh, abstract that I was not a fan of and not because of the decision to do it. I just don't think that it was necessary and I don't think it added much to the story. I think there's a way you could do it that would add more, um, but I, I wasn't a huge fan of that. And we'll eventually talk about the performance. And I think for the most part, it's a pretty strong performance, but I was a little bit, I did feel a little bit that, uh, Kristen Stewart maybe it just was a little too much at times for me and maybe that's because of the character I don't know but that's just where I kind of landed and uh, I really felt like the visuals of this movie carried a lot of it um, there's some interesting sequences with some side characters that I liked there's a few sequences in particular with her and her kids that were really good in the movie and I want to talk about those a little bit more but ultimately I gave it a seven out of 10. Um, I wanted to like it a little bit better than I did. Uh, and so it's still a good movie. It just was a bit of a disappointment for me. All right. Um, I loved it. Uh, I, I thought it was very great. Um, I ended up giving it a nine out of 10. And there were uh, points in time where I was considering giving it a 10 out of 10. Um, I think from tech, from every technical aspect, the, the film is nearly perfect. Uh, the cinematography is fantastic. The editing is fantastic. Um, the production design, even though it is similar to a lot of other period piece films that kind of have a, a similar feel with that kind of royal uh, background, it still looked absolutely fantastic. The costumes looked fantastic. Um, so from the from a technical standpoint, I think the film is nearly nearly perfect. Um, my, I think there are a couple areas that kept me from giving it a 10. And I, I think there are aspects where you could make an argument that they are um, 
of high quality. And you actually touched on a couple of them. Uh, Stewart, Kristen Stewart, I think at times is absolutely fantastic in this. She has some moments where this performance is so spot on and uh, she captures um, emotion in a very genuine, real way. There are also some times where it feels like she's overacting a little bit and she's playing a character. And uh, in particular, toward the beginning of the film, I felt like I was actually kind of taken aback at first because I'm like, uh, this is a perform, this is the performance that people are talking about mm-hmm. as being the kind of favorite to win best actress and it at first sort of rubbed me the wrong way but as the film goes on she really settles into this role I think and uh it becomes a little more natural and uh it I think it's when we kind of get over the fact that she is this larger than life person and we see her as more of a real person that's dealing with real problems and um you mentioned her interactions with her children which are the best scenes in the movie um and the actors including the two children uh played by jack nealon and freddie spry um who play her two sons uh they all work so well they have great chemistry together and uh they're quite impressive performances from two child actors. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, those moments I think are what kind of took this film uh, and kind of lifted it up. Uh, whereas the, the screenplay, uh, it may not have a, a central focus all the time and it kind of jumps around and, and does some kind of weird things. Um, there are some, absolutely well-written moments specifically with the children that I, I, I think I have to, in a way, lift the screenplay up because of those moments. Um, Out of all the aspects of this film, I think that the screenplay is probably the one where I wouldn't uh, be willing to, to nominate it for a, a, award at the end of the season um like i said you could maybe make an argument for it but uh yeah it's a little too abstract and doesn't quite give you enough to to really uh i don't know i i I don't want to say too much (laughs) in terms of like ruining the experience for people but um yeah, I, I know what sequence you were talking about in terms of the the way that it is presented. And uh, it, I, I feel like there was almost this shift at that point um, where it kind of became something different than what we had seen up to that point. And uh, I was okay with it ultimately, but I can see where that could potentially rub somebody the wrong way because it changes uh, the way that you perceive this film, um, and makes you have to think about it in a slightly different manner than you had previously. For some reason, the the sequence that we're both talking about as being abstract, I found in some ways it was abstract and yet cliche in the way that it was done. And that's, I just felt it, it, in, I can see how it can be powerful to people, but it just did not resonate with me. And uh, I do want to say that this particular sequence of really good acting and writing is that scene with um, her kids where it's like Christmas Eve and they're playing the sir game where there's yes, sir, that game. And it reminds me of the scene in jojo rabbit with um yes scarlett johansson and her son yeah not because the the sequence is not like the scene itself isn't really that similar but just like what that scene what that scene is accomplishing for the story is similar and what it says about the character is similar and how that dynamic is built through kind of fun and play and i think that was uh 
a powerful scene, honestly. Um, I'm curious to know what, what did you feel about uh, Johnny Greenwood's score in this movie? I actually really, really liked it. I think that it adds a, an element to the film that even though it's honestly probably a little bit more understated than a typical Johnny Greenwood score, um, it sets a tone and it definitely plays a pretty big role in terms of uh, how you feel about certain aspects of the film. Um, something tells me that his score in Power of the Dog will probably be a, a lot more um, in, in terms of what we expect from Johnny Greenwood. But uh, I think this is an excellent score and uh, it, it clearly shows that Johnny Greenwood understood the tone that uh, Lorraine is trying to go for in this film. And um, yeah, it, I think it's a, a very beautiful score. Mm -hmm. um, I agree. I think that it's the jazz inspired aspects of it were really yeah. interesting and it created tension in a weird way that, and it's, I think maybe it's just that that felt so not what this movie looked like in some ways that that tension was good for some of the more like psychologically thrilling aspects of this movie and there's parts of the movie that are straight up sequences you might see in a psychological thriller and those are some of my favorite parts about the movie and i i almost wish that it leaned maybe just a little bit more into that instead of moving into some of that abstract stuff but the music played a a huge part of that for me. Um, I think if you don't mind it, we might, we're going to kind of circle back to uh, some of the performances. Is that okay? Yeah. Um, can we talk about uh, Sally Hawkins and Sean Harris and Timothy Spall? And we can talk, say any more about Kristen Stewart that we want to as well. Yeah. So um, the, and I, I guess this is probably a credit to the writing, uh, even though we that's probably the area we've been trashing the most. But uh, I am a I think I'm a little bit of a sucker for um, a screenplay that uh, allows for good dialogue between two characters um, and kind of reveals something about uh the narrative and the the characters through just a one-on-one -on -one conversation um and part of that i think part of the reason that i like that is because it it gives a showcase for good actors to to really kind of um portray what that they believe these these characters to be all about uh and Stewart is once again very good in a lot of these scenes. I think that she does a, a nice job, but honestly, in all of these conversations, with maybe the exception of the, the one scene we were talking about earlier with uh, her two children, where I think she is just the, the way that she looks back and forth between her kids, like it's so natural and I, I love that scene. That's my favorite scene in the entire film. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, when she's talking, she's different in those scenes with her children than she is in these scenes where she is talking to other adult characters. And when she is talking to those characters, um, often it feels like she kind of takes a back seat to these other performances. Um, Timothy Spall, uh, Sean Harris, and Sally Hawkins, they're all fantastic actors. And uh, I like the fact that this film allows them each to kind of showcase themselves um, individually. And when we talk about like great supporting performances, a lot of times um, they don't, the, these performers don't get these scenes where they get to be kind of the center of that conversation. Um, and in particular, I, I really, really liked uh, Sean Harris's performance as the chef. Um, I thought he was just very genuine and, uh, and I, maybe I just liked the dynamic between, um, between 
uh, Diana and I, I can't remember what the name of the character is, uh, Darren, Darren, who's the, uh, the chef. Um, but there's one in particular scene where they are, are having a conversation in the basement. And uh, I, I just think that it's a, a really great scene um, and a kind of good exchange between the two. And we learn a lot about this character and uh, Sean Harris just does an excellent job. And I, I think kind of in juxtaposition to a performance we saw him in earlier this year in the green Knight. this is a completely different performance. Mm -hmm. Like I, to, to think that they're the same actor um, is actually sort of surprising because they're so completely different performances. Well, and I, I at first was thinking like, is that Sean Harris? I couldn't tell at first. And he has a kind of characteristic whispery soft voice. Yeah. And, but this is, you're right that this is such a genuine performance, whereas a lot of his other roles he, he, in, uh, you know, The Green Knight and he was in a movie called The King, I think last year or the year before with Timothy Chalamet. And both of those movies, he plays a role that's, you don't quite trust those characters. And this is a character that you felt like you could trust. Um, and a, a, he does a good job of that. And I think that dynamic is strong as well. Um, I think that you're right to point out that she almost, she almost just, uh, Kristen Stewart just feels maybe like she's a little bit less natural when she's playing off of some of these big name actors. And it could literally just be that dynamic of like, she is not a British actor who's playing a famous British person alongside these like very, I think, established British actors. Yeah. I'm sure that was maybe a little bit daunting um and that could be a reason why we see some of that in the performance i honestly felt like for the role that sally hawkins plays for the story we don't see enough of her i agree and she is i've felt since seeing her in shape of water that she is an underrated actor and i know that some people like think that she's strange or whatever but like i always buy her performance and anything she's in and I think it's really natural. And if there's anything that anybody would say is maybe off about this character in this movie, it's, I feel like it has more to do with the writing than to do with her performance, because I think her performance carries it. Um, and last I want to talk about is Timothy Spall. He's, he honestly does a lot without doing very much at all, you know, and um you are constantly trying to figure out what his intentions are. You kind of can't, and that, that's a good place to be as an audience member for this particular movie because they, she is basically, people are playing games with her all the time, you know, and want to be in her good graces because technically she's like kind of her, their superior, but at the same time, she has no autonomy and no control over her life. Yep. And so he's an interesting person to see her play off of. I did like that sequence of them on the steps and just kind of seeing their two completely separate viewpoints on life in general, about like your role as a, as a important figure who serves their country. And uh, that was, I think, effective. That, that scene in particular felt like writing you would see on like a good dramatic TV show. I you know? Like it almost had that vibe. Uh huh. Um, the the thing I think in yeah, I agree. I agree with everything you say about Timothy Spall. I think he's a really good actor, and uh, um, he probably doesn't receive the credit that he deserves, even though he is very well respected as a, a British actor. Uh, and that is certainly the case here. But I think um, kind of going back to what the story and kind of the way that it is presented this this is a a story that is not really or shouldn't be really taken at face value um because it's trying to say something beyond just a narrative um it's kind of doing both the narrative thing at the same time as uh trying to take us into the mind of diana 
at this point in her life. And it felt very Aronofsky-like, Darren Aronofsky. Um, there are times where I'm like, this is this is Black Swan, <laughs> or this is Mother. Um, and it, it, I think, though, you made a point earlier where you were saying that uh, there's some of that tension that you wish was maybe there a little bit more than that abstract sequence. Um, and that when that tension happens, that's when I felt like it was very much like a Darren Aronofsky film. And I loved that aspect of it. Um, and I, maybe, maybe this is where we're at, where the film is still kind of trying to figure out what exactly it is um, and what direction it wants to go in. And it's trying to do multiple things at the same time. But one of the things about the story that I, uh, re that really resonated with me. And I think part of the reason that I uh, liked it is because um, the idea of kind of the British Royal crown being this, uh, antiquated like old um system of things has been maybe more of a popular topic as of late um was with some of the stuff uh going on with harry um leaving the he and his wife leaving the uh the family essentially and no longer participating in all of those things and uh, i think this it's really interesting to me that one of the approaches that this film has to Diana kind of being this outsider is that despite the fact that she is considered to be this, this uh, well-respected Royal person, she has so much more in common with the people that work for her and children and mm -hmm. The way that that is presented to me, I, I thought was just a really cool aspect to the film and mm -hmm. something that as an average person, we can resonate with trying to put ourselves in her shoes and, and be thinking, this is ridiculous. Like no human right. being should ever put themselves through uh, the traditions that they go along with the, the crown and um uh, you understand kind of why she is unhappy in the way that she feels in many of these situations. But yeah, the fact that um, the, the person, the people that she can interact with the easiest are the, the least Royal, uh, mm -hmm. even though she still represents that. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. I hadn't really thought about it in that way. And it is, there's no coincidence, this isn't a coincidence, why she has the connections with the people she does have connections with. Um, I think another thing too, is that the movie does a good job of highlighting her as a person with the flaws and the good things as well. And not just, you know, perpetuating her as just some sort of icon, you know, yeah. which I think, you know, even still, like as people get more interested in the royal family and learn about it, even when they like try to learn their lives, it still kind of perpetuates that aspect of it. Something that I guess was well known, but I didn't really know about was her eating disorder. And then this obviously highlights the mental health aspect. But I also think that it was, it was I like that the story was so focused on a short time period. Yeah. And it didn't try to tell some big life story. It's, it's kind of what we said. It's not just a biopic. It's a, it's trying to capture this moment in her life and why that was significant to her as a figure, you know? And honestly, even though it did disappoint me a little bit, I would take this style of a story about a figure over like the typical biopic most days, you know? Yeah, I and I'm totally there right with you. And I think part of what makes this interesting, though, is that it's not a true biopic anyway, because um, much of it is fabricated to kind of send a message. I don't think that much of what we saw actually happened in any right. shape or form. Um, and that it is almost used as kind of a metaphor for what she did go through. 
Um, and then we start to see some of that metaphor just in the way that uh, um, she has this draw to kind of go back to her home and the comfort of maybe this past life uh, that she no longer can really embrace in the same way because you know, she, she's gone too far. Something as simple as she's, she gets lost on the way there and she has to stop to get directions. Um, and this representation of, uh, she can never go back to being just this normal person, no matter how much she wants to be that normal person. It just isn't going to happen for her. Right. And I think that that's a cool way to start the story too, because it, I almost felt like the, the pacing at the beginning of the movie could have been improved and that could be where I'm missing. So, like I wanted to get to the tension of the story quicker. Yeah. Um, I liked that. Like you, she's introduced as a character who is lost, you know, like, yeah, who it doesn't know what to do or doesn't know where she is. And that's on a metaphorical level, but also the literal level. Um yeah, I, I, I think, honestly, the story didn't bother me in terms of its overall arc. It didn't bother me in terms of the dialogue. It just made individual decisions along the way that I wasn't in love with. And um, I would say this, is, this was a on bordering for me on being eight, but I just didn't feel like it had enough because I was also critical of her performance. And again, this, this also brings in, and she still gives a good performance. There's nothing, I don't want to like say that she was bad in it, but I just, I felt if I'm comparing it to other big leading role performances, she just didn't feel as natural to me as other ones. Well, let's, um, let's talk about just while we're on that topic, let's talk about it in terms of a comparison between her and Jessica Chastain, who is clearly the other front runner. If you had a vote uh, for who you would pick as the best actress, who would you choose? I would pick Jessica Chastain hands down. And I, I agree with that. I think that she gives a better performance here. And once again, not to take anything away because I think it's a good performance. Yeah. It just it, it, to me, it is not at the level that everybody is talking about it. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I, I think that she still probably is the favorite. I don't think that uh, um, it's a done deal yet by any means, but uh, I, I would not be surprised um when it's all said and done if she does end up winning for this role mainly because it just is the sort of role that the academy really loves i mean it's like she deserves credit because it's a totally different type of performance it's high profile for her because it's a big role and she's stepping outside of her comfort zone she does a pretty good job being convincing as a a british actor or i'm british character um, but I mean, that's two Americans saying that, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, there was something else I was going to say, shoot, about her performance, but I can't remember what it was. Uh, um, there's also a sequence toward the end of the movie that uh, it it kind of uh, it changes the tone quite a bit um, after, with her kids, and mm-hmm. but I really enjoyed it, and it's a very memorable sequence um simply because of well it 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 has a music uh tie-in that i think uh, makes it more memorable um but it it just seemed natural it just seemed like a natural moment between her and those actors that play her sons and um for a movie that generally kind of is a downer uh to have this moment of kind of joy yeah. Um, before the film closes out, I think is is uh, a fun way to to kind of wrap things up. Yeah, they needed into tie into the fact that she's just a normal person. They needed a scene like that. I, this is wasn't what I was going to say, but and I won't say what the line is. But there is a line in this movie that is hilarious, and it kind of takes you by surprise in the middle of the movie. And I'll share with you what that is after. Who, who, who says the lie it's it's uh it's diana okay 
All right. Yeah. Well, uh, so if you are going to be watching this movie, um, you should be looking out for that funny line in the middle of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Overall, though, I think that um, this is probably not the sort of movie that I would recommend to an average moviegoer simply because it is a little bit out there. Um, But if you are interested in Diana, if you like stuff um, in terms of kind of the royal crown, um, this may be of interest to you. Uh, you may like it. Um, realize that it is uh, a little out there at times. It does some things that are not uh, following a, a specific narrative. Um, and, and so it, you can't take it a hundred percent at face value. Like you might with some of the other films that have been made about uh, important figures who are part of the Royal family. Um, but I would recommend it um, just for a lot of the different elements in particular. I think that the cinematography is pretty exceptional um, and the editing is done quite well. Um, and, and so that to me says, quite a bit yep uh i i think i mean in terms of cinematography it's up there with some of the best i've seen this year so it's the same cinematographer as uh portrait of a lady on fire which also had fantastic cinematography so uh this claire i i'm gonna probably mispronounce her last name but claire mathon um or matin i don't know how it's said depending on where she's from um but yeah, they, I think it's quite, quite exceptional. And if honestly, if I were to pick any area of this film that it should get nominated for uh, an Academy Award, um, I would put cinematography up there. Yeah, I think that that's I would agree with you. Um I'm super pumped for whenever you end up seeing Jackie because I do, I'm really, really curious, especially because you liked this movie a lot. I'm really curious to think, to hear what you think of Jackie. Um, I don't know if we want to talk about that at another time, but I do like Jackie better than I like this movie. Um, At least what I remember watching Jackie. I've seen Jackie probably twice and uh, I'm pumped to hear what you think of it when you, eventually see it. i don't know if you'll like it better but that's just where i stand all right that sounds good so i think that wraps up our conversation about spencer um we got a little bit shorter show today uh but um next week we are going to be talking about belfast and uh then kind of depending on uh our schedules and what other stuff we see maybe we'll release a second episode next week um with a review of one or two of those other films Mm -hmm. um so i hope you have a great week um and come back next week to hear about the film belfast see you next time